Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with busy women who are simplifying their lives, living intentionally, and creating space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tamu Thomas, and this is episode 12. Today, I'm in conversation with the delightfully calm and collected Nancy Florence. Nancy is a life coach and psychotherapist who utilizes the Desire Map by Danielle Laporte to help high-achieving women design a life that they love, guided by what makes them feel good. Nancy and I discuss what I'm referring to as smart high-achieving, as high-achieving does not mean grinding, toiling and hustling non-stop. Nancy shares how and why it is possible to be more productive when we step away from our addiction to busyness. We talk about shifting from the employee state of mind, you know, proving your worth, having appraisals and living up to other people's expectations, to becoming an entrepreneur, acknowledging that delegation is the key to achieving the most important tasks that generate income and are of high service. Nancy has a course called the Desire Map Experience starting on the 27th of December. She shares more information of the course at the end of the show and there are links to the information in my show notes which are available on my website. Enjoy. Hey beautiful people. Um, Oh before I go anywhere I would like to thank everybody that has purchased one of my Nourish candles. I really appreciate your support. I hope that you find them supportive and nourishing. I hope that you're using them to slow down, not to mask kitchen smells. Um, I would absolutely love for you to get in touch and let me know how you're using them. Uh, The best place would probably be Instagram at live360. I hope to hear from you there. Now, onto the important stuff, the reason you're here. Today, I am having a conversation with Nancy Florence. I came across Nancy on Instagram, and when I read her bio, there was no dilly-dallying, there was no playing around. I had to get straight in and ask her if she would be happy to join me for a conversation on this podcast, because she is a career coach and a psychotherapist Um, and one of the things that caught my eye is the work that she does with high-flying ambitious women. She uses the Desire Map by um, Danielle Laporte um, and that's something that I delved into when I first um, had the self-assurance, for lack of a better description, that I could go forth and birth this idea, but needed something different to a traditional business plan to get me started. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Nancy herself so she can tell us a bit about herself and what she does. And then we're going to get into the meat and bones of working with and being high-flying, ambitious women. Hey, Nancy, thank you for being with us. Hello, Tamu. Thank you for having me. It's a real honour for me to be here. The honour is mine entirely. Please, could you tell us a bit about what you do? Yes, so I've lived inside of this conversation for the past three years. The conversation about what it means to be a high-achieving woman, what it means to always feel tired of being tired, feeling tired of being busy. And so I've dedicated the last three years of my life to supporting women entrepreneurs particularly, 
but also women in corporate with designing their lives and their business or their career around their true desires. So this process has been immensely fulfilling and liberating for me and for my clients as I've coached them to release themselves from what didn't feel good, mm. release themselves from relationships, from jobs, from businesses, in favor of what feels good. Mm. <laughs> so in a nutshell, it's about not living a life of obligation and living a life of pleasure. Amen. Hallelujah. That thing that you say about pleasure, um, a few months ago, I had a podcast conversation with a lady called Sally Beaton. She is also a coach and she talked a lot about pleasure and how important pleasure is for women. And she talked about the organ that only women have, the clitoris, and how important it is and what it means for us for us as women and pleasure, not just in a sexual sense, but pleasure as a whole. And during that conversation, I had so many light bulb moments because I realised that pleasure is not something I had been brought up to seek and indulge in. It was not something that I was brought up to think was important. And the messages I got following that conversation were saying the same thing. And I just thought, wow, how interesting is it that there is, maybe it's all women, but the conversations I, were having, I was having were women in their late 30s and 40s. That's who um, I am aiming to reach with um, this brand. Um, but it's like we were literally just brought up for service. We were literally brought up to perform and live up to these standards without checking in and thinking about what it is that we need, what it is that makes us feel fulfilled. And pleasure is such a huge part of that. Yes. I couldn't agree more with you, Tamu, because up until three years ago, it had never occurred to me to work on feeling good, mm -hmm. which is the basic premise of the design map, by the way. It's about feeling good. And the philosophy is this, feeling good is the whole point. However, until that point, so three years ago, I had a stroke, which I want to talk about because... It was a wake-up call for me. Absolutely. And it's, You're so young. It's, yeah, yeah. I'm only 33. So I was 30 years old. It was just before my 30th birthday. And it's also the time when I discovered the desire map. Now, without giving my entire CV, basically, up to that point, I was never interested in feeling good. I was always interested in doing well. Mm -hmm. It was about achievement, It was about striving. It was about ambition. And of course, in my 20s, I've achieved an awful lot, you know, uh, degrees and, and, and I qualified as a psychotherapist and I had children and I built a home, career. right? Exactly. Um, I'd already started out as an entrepreneur. I had a, a psychotherapy practice on Harley Street. I had a property business. So feeling good was actually never on the agenda. It wasn't even a thing because I was brought up, uh, like many people in our generation, with the, with the mentality of 
enduring life. Mm-hmm. You know, life is hard. Yes. You know, and, and you have to suck it up and you get on with it. Yeah. Even as a psychotherapist, you had those thoughts. I did because I came from a tradition of psychotherapy where it was about getting people from being unwell mm-hmm. to being okay-ish. Right. Uh, so getting them out from depression to a state of, you know, being able to function but not quite feeling great, let alone right. pleasure. Mm-hmm. Which is what led me to coaching, by the way, which is the next stage, going from being well to fucking great. Yeah. Come on. Yep. <laughs> I hope children are not listening to this. Um, no, this is, got for children around, this is for adults. This is for adults, yes. Um, should we talk about the stroke? Yes, please. Well, not yes, please like that, but that is so interesting to hear somebody so young being impacted by something that we associate with old age. Yes. Um, I was the first one to be surprised because, you know, I'm super healthy, touch wood. Now, I strongly believe that the stroke was mostly self-inflicted. Come on. At the time, I was running two businesses, Mm -hmm. raising two young children. And of course, I still had to cook and clean and be a wife. Mm -hmm. And I was working my fingers to the boat. And I was highly stressed out, mainly because of finances, you know. It was always about, you know, cutting the next deal, where is my next client? So really high levels of stress. And it got to a head. And one night, I found myself in the kitchen, picking something up, and one of my arms did not respond. Wow. I entered a state of semi-trance where I didn't really know what's going on. But I remember trying to pick up something, but my arm would not move. And it turned out I was paralyzed. Half of my body was paralyzed. And I became scared when I heard myself saying something. And my speech was slurred. Wow. And that's when I realized, fuck, I'm having a stroke. Yeah. Now... Luckily, um, there was no side effects. You know, I recovered really, really well, mm-hmm. and there is no signs that this this is going to happen again. But I saw this as a sign. I saw this as Nancy. No, something has to give, and you're not happy, mm-hmm. and you need to slow down. So I treated myself to a holiday in the Caribbean, as you do. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I I changed my entire life. I released myself from the relationship. I burned the property business. I let go of tons of things, you know, everything that felt heavy, friendships, to-do lists. And I became a coach and a desire map ambassador. How did you get to that point? Because um, the I, I see a lot and hear a lot about people saying you need to give yourself permission or talking about having permission to release things that are no longer serving them. But when we're speaking specifically about high achieving and very ambitious women, they have, we have been groomed to associate all of our worth by our output and A few months ago, I went to an event and there were lots of high-flying women 
chief executive officer of this company, head of finance of that company, senior lawyers, the whole shebang. And there, there was a, um, a career coach or something. She, she, she coaches, that's it. She coaches people that go from, that are moving from middle to senior management to assist them in making that transition. And she asked a question about what the women in the room do to stay well and what they enjoy. It was like crickets. A couple of people talked about working out and going to the gym, but it was all stuff to do with endurance and it was all stuff to do with basically competing with themselves to outdo themselves and that then trickled in to them being able to perform better at work. So even the women that talked about going to the gym, for me, it didn't feel like they were going to the gym for themselves or for their health or for their own personal benefit. Um, benefit, it was all tied into creating more output, being more successful. So how does somebody who is in that mindset begin to make, if they want to, because some of them don't want to, but if they want to and they don't know how, how can they begin to make the shift that enables them to start to release these things that they've embodied, but realize are no longer serving them? So I didn't do this transition alone. I hired a coach Mm -hmm. and I've worked with that coach for three years. And now I have two coaches. And that's because of the the mindset shift that's required. Mm -hmm. And it's also because I needed to have someone to hold my hand in the process You know, there were so many bumps along the way. Releasing myself from the relationship meant moving into a house share with my two children living in a room in North London. Now, if I didn't have my coach, right? Yeah. You have to make really courageous decisions. And so if I didn't have my coach by my side supporting me with this, I'm not sure that I could have done it. So... Sorry, Hire a Nancy, coach. that's huge. So when you start to think about how you want to feel, uh, then you get you get a choice, right? You get you you can choose to continue to ignore your feelings. You you can choose to make them wrong, not listen to them, suppress them. Eat them, drink them, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. Or you can choose to make how you want to feel a non-negotiable. You get to make your desires a non-negotiable. I got really clear at that point in my life that I was no longer available for proving and suffering. I wasn't interested in proving anymore, you know, impressing what mum, she's dead, but I still, I was still trying to impress her, mm-hmm. impressing dad, impressing my partner, impressing, impressing who. Mm. And so how do you go about not pursuing the ambition 
well, it's, you, you know, you can continue, you know, you get to carry on. Okay. Okay. I got it. Mm-hmm. Once you get clear on how you want to feel, you get to design your goal based on that. Now, maybe the goal still remains. Once you're clear on how you want to feel, maybe you still want the promotion. Maybe you still want the six-figure business. Yeah. Maybe you're still ambitious. And that's okay. That's allowed. However, the way that you go about it, the way that you go about pursuing the goal is what changes. And so your whole relationship with work and productivity changes because it's no longer about proving, pushing or striving. It's about feeling the way you want to feel. So at this point, I'm still performing at a high level. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still running a six-figure business. I run 20 miles per week. And so I still get some serious shit done. Mm-hmm. But the difference is my relationship with those goals. I don't run to prove a point um, I'm not interested in competition or running a marathon at this point. I do it for me. Yeah. And so that's the difference. It's the relationship with the goal. Yeah. Whew. Nancy. So you're talking and I'm thinking, and you know, I can't speak for anybody else. I can speak for myself. And when you're speaking, so I was late for this call today, everybody. I was late for this call because I didn't pay attention. Why didn't I pay attention? Because I was running. Why was I running? Partly because me working in the way that I'm working is really freaking exciting I am so excited about what I'm doing because it's something that I didn't know that it was going to be this, but it is totally the way I wanted to feel about how I work. And because I sat on it for quite some time due to self-doubt and all the yada, yada, yadas, I just feel like every idea I have, I want to run with it. But it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense because you you can do everything, but you can't do it all at once. And in hearing you talk about having a new way to pursue your goals, it's really hitting me in my chest. And what I've realised I've been doing still, I'm a bit annoyed with myself, but I will let that go. It won't last. I've been an employee for all of my career, my working career. Um, I've worked as a local authority child protection social worker where being burnt out was a badge of honour. Badge of honor. If you didn't look like you were overwhelmed, if you weren't running from appointment to appointment, and I've said this on this podcast before, you weren't seen as doing your job. So I'm still very much tied to the notion of me being productive means I'm running around like a headless chicken. But it's been, it's been, it's been a really strange and beautiful paradigm because what I have seen in the last two weeks alone is that I'm working without having to force and push and hustle and all of that sort of stuff because I fully believe that what I'm doing is aligned with what the higher power wants for me, what I want for myself and what I'm able to provide for other people. So 
Nancy, if I tell you shit just keeps happening, like I'm visualizing, I'm doing all of this beautiful supportive stuff and stuff is happening. But because I'm still tied to that notion of my employee mindset where I'm running around ragged, I'm still finding myself, no, let me own it. I'm still putting myself in situations where I'm running around ragged, even though I've got this beautiful Garden of Eden telling me I don't need to do that anymore. And I feel like I've got one foot in that old drudgery and the other foot in the newness where I'm understanding that productive doesn't mean that I'm working nonstop 12 hours a day, that my new productive is that I can achieve what I would have thought would take 12 hours of hard grind in four hours, but I'm not allowing myself to believe. And I'm saying this for myself and also because I hear women say this all the time. Like I had a retreat in September and something that came up is this notion that we are still buying into. We need to be run ragged to be purposeful. We can't just be. Mm. sorry that was a lot in there but that literally was like oh my goodness that's and 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 that's part of what I would like to achieve with this business and why this podcast is so important to me because we need to have these conversations openly because I think that you know I really believe in collective consciousness I think that this is something that is a wider issue but we just don't know how to get off this train Mm. you are one of the women I love and admire the most because (laughs) of your sincerity and because you've got ovaries of steel right it takes ovaries of steel to get out of the right race and start your own gig Mm. so wow yeah just want to acknowledge that first of all in you you. Uh, what you've created is beautiful um thank you thank you for doing this for us thank you I want to speak to that, if that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a journey, you know, and, and today I'm talking about desire mapping and, you know, calmly working through our tasks. But everything is progress, and I am a work in progress. There are still times, just like you, when I get busy, when I start making lists, and before you know it, there's two, three lists. And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Busted. <laughs> Calls correct. Yeah. Um, I want to explain what's going on here. I call it an addiction. I call it a work addiction. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of women, and I was one of them, go from quitting the job to becoming an entrepreneur And so the work changes, but the addiction to work, productivity, performance, success does not change. I can relate this to eating disorders with people who change the food. So I've got an example of a colleague who went vegan, like fanatic vegan. And she went to this organic food store, came back home with loads of vegan food. And she ate it all. She binged on it. So the food has changed. But the behavior remains hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do with work. 
oh yeah but you know there's so much to do so many ideas so you know and so we binge why do we do this (laughs) does that speak to you absolutely why do we binge why why the addiction well the root of the addiction is looking for love in all the wrong places Oh, for God's sake, and I've done this. let's end this call here and now. <laughs> okay, stop now. <laughs> Ooh. This is profound. Looking for love in all the wrong places. I've done this my entire life. As a child, you know, I was trying to be a perfect little girl. And there was beautiful grades, straight A's. There was piano lessons. There was ballet yes, I feel good about myself. I'm impressing my mom and dad. And then there was the addiction to drugs. For five years, I was addicted to cannabis. Mm. Again, looking for love in the wrong places. And then there was codependence, becoming addicted to my man, hooked. And then, of course, throughout, there was the addiction to work, which was about, you know, Everything, anyway, is about wanting to feel loved. Mm. And when I got that, when I really got that, I was able to transform my relationship with the work. I was able to realize that my joy is not in the future. My joy is not in reaching a new level in my business. I know this because... I created the six-figure dream lifestyle. And I still felt the same. There was still more to do. Yeah. I still, I was still me, you know, still with insecurities and doubts and fears. Mm -hmm. So I realized that my joy is not in the future. It's not in the goals that I'm pursuing. It's in the day-to-day. It's in inside of the present. And that's where I need to be. Mm. And so every time I go back to old patterns, every time I go back to being busy, I remind myself of uh, there's no point in chasing the future because everything I want is right here, right now. Mm. And it sounds very cliche and it used to irritate the hell out of me. But I'm starting to really get this. Yeah. I, I said this the other day when someone was talking about, actually a couple of times people have referred to things being cliche and I'm not quick to dismiss things as cliche anymore. And I'm not saying that's what you were just doing because what I've realised in my own personal development journey is that there is real credence in these things. Once you understand them, it is not a, a throwaway thing. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of foundation in, in cliche and as you're talking about, you know, um, the being busy and all of that, it's, I was listening to um, a, a talk by um, Marianne Williamson, and I can't remember exactly, but she was saying something. We, we've been taught that feeling content is um, like a lazy privilege, almost. And Um, So there are lots of people who, if they do feel content, it's almost like 
they can't accept it because they're waiting for the rug to be pulled from underneath them or they feel like being content means that they're not striving anymore. Um, And she said something along the lines of um, the ego tricks us into thinking being content is lazy, but that's a lie. And that was really profound for me because whilst I can create in um, striving and in wanting the next, the next, the next, this brand has been birthed from a place of contentment and gratitude. So I had the, what I'm calling an existential crisis, where a series of low mood, feeling depressed, anxiety led to a panic attack that made me think, oh my, well, led to panic attacks. I didn't realise there were panic attacks. Made me think I need to rethink this whole game of life and actually start to appreciate what I have rather than keep thinking I can't even absorb and feel that goal because I've got to be on to the next one. Actually being content and grateful for what I ordinarily have without me doing stuff enabled me to create something that is really sincere and true to who I am without all of my layers and masks. Mm. Yes, Tamu, I can relate to what you're saying because I also suffered from anxiety for years and panic attacks. In fact, anxiety and high performing goes hand in hand. hand. Yeah. Right? And it's very common amongst women, isn't it? I mean, do you know a woman who's not anxious? Well, (laughs) right? (laughs) Point me in that direction. So, um, yeah. And actually, a lot of this busyness is driven by fear. It's it's anxiety driven, Mm. isn't it? How about this one? You talked about lazy. And one of my coaches taught me this. Busy is lazy. Busy is lazy, especially if you're an entrepreneur, because if you busy yourself with busy work, oh, I have to send a newsletter, I have to do a Facebook Live, and I have to update the website, and I have to do this and that, you're just busying yourself with stuff, but you're not doing the real work that needs to be done. It's distraction. It's bullshit. Right? Yes. So you think you're busy, 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 but you're not doing what truly needs to be done. The actual uh, high return activities, i.e. having a conversation with someone and serving that particular someone and getting paid by them. The service piece. Yes. We, we don't want to do it because, you know, it's more scary. And so busy is lazy. So if you find yourself, I'm speaking to everyone, if you find yourself being busy, you know, going from one thing to the next, you know you're avoiding something. You're avoiding the real work. Hmm. And you could actually make your life a hundred times easier by remembering the 80-20 rule. Yes. 20% of your effort generates 80% of your income. <laughs> so you don't actually need to do all of the fluff. Yeah. If you only did one hour a day in conversation with someone, that would actually be enough to generate the income that you need. Yeah. And that translates to that, that, yeah, that, that translates to a lot of things. So in order to get to that point, 
what are steps, people that are curious about this, what are steps they could take to start to understand how they want to feel? Yes. The desire map. Look at the desire map by Daniel Laporte. Look at the desire map experience by me, Nancy Florence. There's a workbook and you can start working on this. Make it sacred, take an afternoon off, take an evening off and, and start looking at it. There's a book which is beautiful. Um, there's an audio book that you can listen to on your way to work on where you're driving. The design map is available on Amazon. It's mm-hmm. available everywhere. Mm-hmm. And there are two other practical steps that you can take in a, to make it very real mm-hmm. for you today. The first thing is make a list of everything that you need to do. Like have a beautiful brain dump. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to do two things with it. The first thing you're going to do is delegate as much as you can to other people. In the words of one of my first mentors, in order to have it all, you can't do it all. Mm-hmm. It takes a team. So I created the team. First of all, I decided I don't want to clean my house anymore because that was taking me away from spending time with my children. So I hired a housekeeper who comes a few times a week. I don't want to iron anymore, so she does it. And then I have a virtual assistant in my business who supports me with all of the nitty-gritty. And then a social media manager who supports me with social media and so on. It takes a team. Yeah. Now I did this in increments. I can hear people thinking, Oh, well, it's so very well, but you know, those things take money. Of course they do. And also so I started go of control. Yes. Oh, I'm going to make a note. There's something that I want to share with you. You're going to love it. <laughs> um, Right, so it takes a team, and you can do this, do this in increments. You know, if you don't have a cleaner, maybe you can start with two hours a month. You know, you spend twice as much on takeaways anyway. You know, mm-hmm. um, if you need an assistant, a virtual assistant, we live in a global economy now. My virtual assistant is in India. Okay. You know, and so when I hired her three years ago, it was easier for me mm-hmm. to make that investment. And we started really small. I think we started with like two hours a week, something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So it takes a team. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, going back to your to-do list, what you want to do is instead of having a list, you want to have a calendar. Now, I personally use Google Calendar, but you can use any calendar system you like. The idea is that if something is not scheduled, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. But it's also going to weigh down on you, like a weight, oh, like a burden. Goodness. Yes, yes, yes. Right? So, for instance, if you've been thinking about printing the family photos for five years, <laughs> like I have. <laughs> I just printed mine yesterday. Oh, fantastic. Well done. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say, put that in the calendar. Yeah. Put that in the calendar for the Christmas holiday. It's there. You know it's going to get done nice and easy. Put everything in your calendar. 
And I would say don't have any more than three major tasks per day. You know, yeah. Churchill did this. Churchill created three items per day. He thought about, okay, what would make today a success? You know, one to three things. If this is done today, that's cool. That's it. Yeah. So in summary, have a list. Delegate, 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 delegate. And the rest that can only be done by you, schedule it in your calendar. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking about your comment about control. Mm -hmm. I learned this from Gina DeV. There are four archetypes of women. The slave girl who works like a slave and asks for nothing in return. The maid who also works like a slave, but she expects a level of pay, a small level of compensation. Yeah. Then you have the high-end assistant who also works like a slave, but she expects a high pay. Yeah. Think the assistant in The Devil Wears Prada. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. And then the fourth archetype, and probably where you want to be, is the queen. The queen does not have the slave girl mentality. She understands that in order to have it all, you can't do it all. Mm. She's very good at expressing what she wants and delegating and building team. She's not available for overwhelm because overwhelm is for little girls. Nancy! (laughs) Overwhelm's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) She's not available for overwhelm or busyness. Yeah. Right? And there's a composure about her. And I think that's where we all want to spend the most time because yeah. it's so much easier to be a queen. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing about scheduling really feeds into queen thinking because... <clears throat> So that I use the Calendly app to schedule my podcast calls. And I had, I didn't realize because I, again, because I was being busy, I wasn't paying attention. There's a function where you can set it up so that you have a certain amount of break in between each call. It can be three days, it can be three hours, it can be whatever you want it to be. Because I didn't pay attention, I didn't realize. And what I was doing was... When somebody booked a call, I would manually go in when I remembered and then make my time unavailable so somebody couldn't book back to back. I was spending so much time going in and doing that and also not remembering. And there was one day I just thought, this is 2018, there must be a better way. And I realised, so now I, I schedule that in and it's linked to my Google calendar. So those blocks of time are in my Google calendar as well. So somebody asked me, 
somebody mm-hmm. asked me about doing something um and I said yeah sure but could we wait to the new year because of how I'm now using my calendar whereas previously because it's such a lovely idea that really fits in with my values I would have said yes straight away and then I would have taken myself right into that chaotic place of wonder overwhelm because I'd agree to something that I could do just not yet mm. beautiful self-care beautiful honoring of, of yourself and also the other person, because I don't want to, I don't want to go anywhere or do anything with my second hand self. Like, I want you to have the best of me. I want to give the best of me. I know that I will take pleasure in knowing that I've given you the best and I've given myself the best. So what is the point? All I'll do is beat myself up and feel shitty and engage in a negative loop in my head until I realize what I'm doing who's got time for that Mm. (laughs) already yep yep (laughs) beautiful I love that yeah so I like that queen thinking I'm going to look more into these um, archetypes because when you first said queen actually there was resistance there was a, a because queen feels a bit for me like um black girl magic like it just feels a bit oppressive like we've got to be this extraordinary thing but in the way that you've explained it hell yes I'm a queen I value my time Mm. I've got to spend it differently it's my most precious currency Yes, and you can do queen the way you want to do it, right? For yeah. you, it's natural beauty, natural hair, it's <laughs> honesty, yeah. it's, it's about being real, right? Yeah. yeah. Not stuck up, for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's not even necessarily the um, stuck up thing. I've just, there's a bit of a trend, and this is me going on into a different, but but like, um, you know, you're a queen, Some of us don't want to be a queen. Do you know what, actually, whilst you were talking about addiction, my underlying addiction is independence. And independence, the way that I interpreted it and the way I'm now learning it is are two different things. So my previous understanding of independence was doing everything by myself. I don't need any help. I'm a strong woman. I can do it. I can do it all which means that you're also building a fortress. And what I'm understanding now, no, what I'm learning and I'm heading towards understanding is what you're talking about. Me delegating actually will give me the independence I'm craving for, not the independence that Mm -hmm. is me internalising other messages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, doing it all by myself, that's not independence, that's slavery. Shit! Yes. I'm in the slavery archetype. Yes. Triggered. My ancestors did not die for this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've talked about um desire mapping. I'm going to kind of like round up this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um what is desire mapping and how can we use this to support us feeling more fulfilled? Mm-hmm. So I created an entire program around this called the Desire Map Experience. The benefit of design mapping or multiple 
I did a Facebook live on this this morning, actually, just quickly here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about taking radical responsibility for your experience of 2019. Mm-hmm. How you feel in 2019 is your job. And so it's a beautiful paradigm shift because instead of having life happen to you and people making you feel oh a God. certain way, bristle, you you now realize that nobody can make you feel anything and no such, no, no person, no situation, no circumstances. You get to manufacture how you feel. Yeah. And you do that by changing your thoughts. So that's the first benefit. The second one is the stuff that you let go of. It's a beautiful opportunity for detox, purge. Uh, you're going to let go of so many items in your wardrobe and your kitchen cupboards and your relationships and your heart beautiful beautiful release thirdly well you're gonna have a map Mm -hmm. for how to navigate 2019 Mm -hmm. okay so you're gonna have goals that may surprise you maybe you're not gonna get the mortgage maybe you're not gonna get married Mm -hmm. maybe you're not gonna have a child Um, maybe you're gonna do something completely different which is super exciting because we're going to we're going to translate this into your agenda, and it's going to have your soul written all over it. Uh, fourth benefit, well, think of this as a beautiful road trip. And so you have a map, you have the destination, but you're actually going to enjoy the ride because you're going to be clear on your core desired feelings, which are your most preferred feeling states. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have full permission to enjoy the ride, enjoy the scenery, so much so that reaching the destination will almost become irrelevant. How liberating is that? Reaching the goal will be good, but it doesn't matter that much. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be strangling your goals anymore. Mm. And lastly, uh, well, you're going to get loads of shit done calmly without the aggravation without the emotional drama (laughs) you're gonna go from one thing to the next calmly um if you're interested in this you can send me an email info at nancyflores.com and that's a course that you have starting yeah we're going to start at the end of december 27th of december yeah and there's tons of desire map literature on youtube mm-hmm. i'd like to i'd like to give something to your audience if i may before mm-hmm. the end of the call i have a competitive advantage i have an unfair advantage for what i do and is that i lost my mom to suicide a few years ago mm-hmm. so I think more than a lot of people, I'm acutely aware of the finite nature of our time here on earth. Mm-hmm. Because my mom chose to take her life, I chose to also take my life, but actually grab it by the balls. Mm-hmm. So the opposite. And I worked out that at the age I am, and I don't mean to sound sinister, but this, I, find that, I find this to be fun in a very bizarre way. Mm-hmm. I've got about 16,000 more days to live Bloody if hell. things go well. Not that much, right? No. 16,000. 
And so I want to, I want to make every day count. Yeah. And uh, what I want to remember on my deathbed or before I die, whatever, what I want to remember, and I know what I will remember is how my life felt to me, not the to-do lists, not the things I've accomplished. Absolutely. I'm going to remember the relationships. Yeah. I'm going to remember if I've been generous, if I've experienced pleasure. And so that's what all of this is about. It's about living from spirit versus living from personality. And it's very profound. Living from spirit rather than living from personality. I've had some really profound experiences which, yeah, now that I think about it, oh my gosh, one of them, I think, has led to this busyness. I had this really, I was praying and had this really profound experience, which I'll talk about another day, but that is so important. And spirit, you know, people think, what on earth are you talking about? But I think my interpretation is living from that truest expression of yourself as opposed to the manufactured personality yes mm. uh, exactly goosebumps everywhere absolutely. i think we're done nancy this has been absolutely beautiful it's not enough but <laughs> but it's been it's been beautiful um how can people keep up with you if they're not connected with you already sure find me on insta Nancy Florence, I can't even remember what my handle is. Um, yeah, Nancy Florence, you're going to find me. Yeah. Um, or send me an email. The best way to do this is to connect with me personally. Info at nancyflores.com. Brilliant. I will make sure that there are links to your Instagram and your email address and um, your website in the show notes. Um, I would just like to say a really heartfelt thank you. This has been a really beautiful, rich 40 whatever minutes. Very, very potent. Um, yeah, thank you, Nancy. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the 360 podcast. We can continue the conversation on social media using the hashtags Live360 and Everyday Joy. I hope to see you on my social media channel. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, rate, and share this podcast wherever you're listening. 360 Conversations is produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. I look forward to engaging with you next time. 